Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and happy past Thanksgiving. And we are so happy to be with you on Ayers on the Road this morning. It is snowing where we are. I don't know where you are, but it is. we've got a winter wonderland here in Park City. And you're going to have to listen mainly to Linda because my my voice is almost gone. Some people are now saying, yes, <laughs> more Linda, less Richard. <laughs> uh, finally, no. Um, I We have, he's not, he's been trying to nurse this this morning so that he could talk, but he's not doing very well at the voice. But um, we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're into the holiday season. As we record this, it is uh, Black Friday. I'm so <laughs> glad I'm here doing a radio show and not out in the, or a podcast, not out in the craziness of the the blackness of Black Friday. <laughs> and what a gathering we had yesterday. I'm just going to ask Linda some questions and she will answer them. Linda, how many people did we have at our house yesterday? We only had 26. It was a small crowd. But no, two more came. So 28. 28. Yeah, that's true. Two more came for dessert. But um, we did have a fun time. But our our darling daughter, Shawnee, uh, who lives in Arizona, she and her husband and a group of six other men and women uh, do a turkey trot in Gilbert, Arizona every year. And so I'm sure they had over 5,000. They had 5,000 last year, more than 5,000. It's an enormous undertaking. And then she had 42 for Thanksgiving dinner at their at their home. So I am not complaining one bit about 28. And I know some of you were two or three and some were, you know, 50. So um, we hope you had a great time. We really had an interesting experience. Okay. And before we get to that, how interesting it was. How many of us are there in our total family now? Wow. We sat down and figured that out. We've got like 56, 57, I don't know, 52. And then we finally, Richard, I, I've been saying 57, and he sat down just before Thanksgiving and, and counted it. And we actually had 56. But I thought, no, I, thought, I think it's more than that. And he said, oh, I think we have forgotten one thing, us. So there are 58, exactly. And we had such a fun experiment with the number 58 last night. We have three boys who are mathematicians. What would you call them? Engineers. Engineer, two engineers, uh, one a computer geek who built his own computer. He's the senior in high school. And when you, they first came in the door, you gave them this challenge. There are 58 people in our family do you want to pick it up from there well yeah i said boys there's 58 of us how many individual relationships does that involve in other words if you are if i have 57 relationships with the other 57 in in our family how many total individual relationships total one-on-one -on -one relationships would there be well, they just did they guess off the top of their heads first? No, one of them one of them solved the problem by geometry with a graph. 
A second one solved it with an algebraic formula that he came up with. And the third one just started adding up numbers. The first person has 57. The second one has 56 because he can't count the one that the other one already counted with him. The next one has 55 and so on. So he added up this huge line of numbers and they all came, the three of them all came to the same answer. And give me a drum roll. And da, 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 da. So the total number of individual relationships in our family of 58 is 1,653. <laughs> so not only that, they got out a big um, poster board um, and they made a graph of it. And they, honestly, we couldn't get them to come to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Like, you guys, come on, it's time, it's time. We They finally dragged, we dragged themselves away and we uh, had some dinner, but the poster is really cool. So they did 58 dots in a round circle and then they drew lines with a ruler uh, through the circle to all those 58. So that all, every dot was connected to the other 57 dots. So they actually drew 1,653 lines while we were waiting for the turkey to cook. <laughs> and so it's a pretty cool thing. We were showing some friends that dropped by after Thanksgiving last night, the, the thing. And the dad said that there was a 58 dots around the outside of the circle. We really need to have a video for this, but we don't. So there are 58 dots around a circle and when each line came into that 58 into those 58 it made the dot bigger blacker Big black, darker right stronger and so he pointed that out yeah. um so that we do are we are more um more secure more safe when we feel like we have relationship with people and i don't know how many of the teenagers have a really great relationship with Murphy, our great granddaughter, who's six months old. But no, but you know, they love her. They, but they have do a love relationship. Her. They do love her. But um, it is quite a crazy thing. So, and even if you have, you know, only a dozen in your family, it really is fun to figure that out because there's that's a lot of a lot of relationships. And here's the reason why we ask that question. Normally, our tradition at Thanksgiving is to make a long, long, long list. I think last year we went over a thousand of things that we're grateful for. We do it on a long roll of paper. But we got thinking before they all came yesterday, wouldn't it be nice if besides thinking about what we're grateful for to God, to Heavenly Father, to Jesus, what if we thought also a little about who we're grateful to? And so we wanted to get their minds on the fact that just within our own family, they each have 57 separate relationships. And they, they're probably grateful to every one of those 57 people in our family for something that they can think of specifically. And so before they got here, we put under, we did a random drawing. And since there were only 26 here to start out with, we gave them each of the ones who were older, everyone over eight got three names drawn by random under their plate. 
So when they were done eating, they moved their plate and found the three that they were to write a thank you note to. Or why they're grateful for that person. Well, no, but it was a free, it was in the first person. It wasn't, I'm grateful for so-and-so because of this. It was like, dear Max, right. thank sure. you for being an example to me. Or thank you for last year when you helped me learn to water ski or just whatever they could think of. And I was amazed at the staying power of that there were some of the younger ones who sat for two or three hours thinking and finishing up their letter. And then they put them in an envelope that already had the person's name on it. And we now have all A those of envelope, 50, 57, 58 of them right, that we're yeah. going to put stamps on today and send out. And when people receive them, they'll, they'll find who it was that drew their name and who wrote them a special thank you note. So I think it went better than, you know, sometimes you try ideas and they don't go very well. Yeah. I think it went better than I thought because they all really thought about it. And I think the aftermath of receiving that letter from three random people within the family and hearing what they're thankful to them for. So I think we added a new dimension. It's not only what we're thankful for, but who we're thankful to. That was a really fun idea. I, I think that everybody in the end really enjoyed it. Nobody said, no, I can't do that. Um, and I'm sure some of those letters from the 10, 11 year olds are hilarious. I wish we would have been able to read them before they sealed them, but they sealed them. They didn't want anybody to know uh, what they had said to them to thank them for. So it really was a fun day. I don't know about two or three hours. It did take well, little, the afternoon. Mila was still sitting there at five o'clock. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. Well, now another question for you, Linda. Um, did we drop our tradition to list all the things we're grateful for, or did it carry on through WhatsApp? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> it did carry on. We I don't know how many of you are corresponding with your families through WhatsApp, but it is a great, great, um, it's just a app, an app. Different groups. Um, yeah, it's, it's a app and then you can go for different groups so we have a whatsapp for our, our whole, family. whole family then we have it for just one child or three kids or five or grandkids the girls or, or whatever the and it it's something that everybody looks at we have tried so many different ways to keep and track keep it in touch with our children and whatsapp wins i think marco polo is second because you can make videos and they don't have to be on the other end they they can just look at them anytime when they have time um, but it's just like talking to us, like a, a phone call without the other person on the other end. But WhatsApp came up yesterday with hundreds of great gratitudes because so many of our kids were gone. Yeah, that's what happened is the one of the 32 who weren't here wanted to participate in that tradition. So one of them, I think it was Tal in Switzerland, said, well, here's 20 things I'm grateful for and listed them on WhatsApp. And then everyone was adding their own things and so on, and trying not to duplicate any that had already been sent in. And Sadie went crazy and unlisted a hundred things. She was in California and she said, okay, here's my hundred. And uh, we did not get up to a thousand, but it was really great to run through all those and, and just think about just for a minute about how grateful we are for our blessings. Gratitude is such an important thing. 
we really almost make a bigger deal of of gratitude and thanksgiving than christmas although christmas is i shouldn't say that because i've just been taking down the old thanksgiving things and putting up the christmas stuff this morning so um we're on to the season and as many of you know we don't send out christmas cards but we do send out a thanksgiving card which always has a family picture so if any of you are curious you can look at that card on instagram and you want to see a picture with uh, 58 people in it, that's the place to look. <laughs> but just go to Instagram and go to Richard Iyer, or excuse me, Richard Linda Iyer, all strung together, and you'll find the picture if you're interested. And as you do, please, it's not a competition for how many, whether you have one child or none or 25 or whether you're young parents middle-aged grandparents great-grandparents whatever we'd we'd love to hear a little response from you if you feel like it but if not just take a look at that of these cra- crazy people that you're listening to um so let's take a brief break and i'm gonna go drink some honey and lemon and see if i can get a little more voice And when we come back, we're going to broaden this discussion, mainly Linda, and talk about holiday traditions in general as we now gear up to move toward Christmas. Particularly, how do we develop family traditions which emphasize Christ and the Savior? And how do we create a separation between the fun and imagination of Santa Claus and the powerful belief in Jesus and we'll we'll have a few thoughts on that. So hang on, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Welcome back. And before we launch into the next section, we would love to um thank BYU Radio for doing this podcast. It just makes it so easy. And James, our wonderful uh, uh, our producer, is always there and flexible doing this and that and the other. Um, we can't do it now. Can you do it this? And then once in a while he says, can you do it this? And so we appreciate him so much because our lives are crazy and his is too, but it is great to have him behind the wheel. Okay, Linda, next question for you. Talk for a minute about the power of family rituals and traditions and why have you said on many occasions, traditions are the glue that holds your family together? You know, because they really are. You don't realize how powerful traditions are until um, you see what it does for your family. The next generation has that tradition. I mean, whether it's how you get mad <laughs> or how you feel sad. Uh, and, of course, it does. it's not always exactly the same. But I was just listening to a podcast the other day saying how much – they'd learned from their parents without realizing it that they heard things come out of their mouth traditions are really really important it is really one of those things that we don't think about too much but and traditions are things that you're creating that you don't even call traditions it's just what's happening in your household do you think do you think kids feel a certain identity and security through 
family traditions, especially around the holidays? Well, sure, absolutely. And not only family traditions, but birthday traditions and other other things that really pull a family together and make you feel like, I know I'm loved, I know I'm valued. We love Christmas traditions, as do you. And we wish we had an open mic here so you could just come and share some of your fun traditions because we know you've done a lot of things. Today happens to be Black Friday, which we mentioned, and the tradition for us uh, is putting away Thanksgiving and putting up Christmas. But many of you have been in line uh, this morning for hours and hours getting great deals on things for Christmas. That's not a tradition. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's a tradition every year that your kids will follow through and who knows what it's going to be like when they're when they're adults and parents. But traditions are the glue that hold your family together. I really believe that. So, Linda, would you um, would you say that how would you define traditions? Would it be a thing that you do at the same time in the same place and in the same way, in a repeated way, like every year at Christmas or every every week on Sunday, or maybe there are monthly traditions? How how would you define? Is a tradition just something that you do and that kids look forward to and that they don't want to change? I think you answered that yourself. Well, I, I mean, I was thinking how the answer to that is yes. If you start a family tradition and then you ignore it or you don't look like you're doing it or you're doing it the wrong way or different than they're used to it, kids will not let you get away with that because they cling to these traditions. Yeah, it, of course, it depends what it is. Um, we have a crazy birthday tradition for one of our kids of floating her cake. Uh, wherever we are, we have to find some place to float her cake. And it is a crazy tradition, but it's one that we have remembered through the years. Others, I think we have not been so good at, at keeping up. But I think that if we sat down and wrote, had our children write down the traditions that really mean a lot to them, they are surrounding the holidays and birthdays. And it is a time to celebrate a certain child or a certain event. Uh, we've really tried since our kids are little to make Christmas about giving uh, more than receiving. And um, we always ask the kids to, they bought gifts for each other. And it started out being at the dollar store because they had to earn their own money. But um, it has progressed. And now we see in our grandchildren, our daughter was just saying the other day that the thing that she loved the most, the day she loves the most in the whole year is Christmas Eve because that is the day her children gives gift to each other. And they have taken this, these little dollar gifts to the max. Um, they think about what they're going to get for their sibling for Christmas more than any other single thing all year. And they save money and give amazing gifts. So it depends on what works for your family. But I do think that having that service as part of Christmas is is one of our main traditions. And we're really delighted to see that it's carrying down through our kids. And traditions can sometimes solve dilemmas for you. Can I just say that one of the classic dilemmas that we've we've been asked about by parents for four or five decades, and it's a really serious question, it's a really good question relating directly to Christmas and traditions. And the question is, 
how do I allow my children and allow our family to get in the commercial sort of happy Santa Claus side of Christmas, but also to have a really sacred part of Christmas where Jesus is the focus of everything. And even more specifically, parents will sometimes say, I'm so worried that my children, especially young children, will get confused because we talk about Santa Claus and Santa's going to come and he's going to give us gifts and so on. And we talk about Jesus who has already come and has given us gifts and continues to. And what if my children get confused between the two? And what if when the time comes that they discover the imagination and the actuality around Santa, what if they transpose that and say, oh, well, maybe that's what Jesus is too. Maybe he's someone we imagine or that we made up or that makes us feel happy but isn't real. And that that's a pretty serious question. And have we done anything and have we encouraged others to do anything in their family traditions that creates a separation and allows us to, to think very different, allows children to think very differently about Santa Claus and about Jesus. It is a tough one. Um, I remember we were in the car one day and we had a granddaughter here. She was about 11 and she was sleigh riding and so on, but we had to leave for a minute. So we caught her at the driveway and we were just thinking about this, talking about it. And I remember you rolled the window down and, and said, Eliza, come over here. And so she did. Tell us what's the difference. What well, was the question? Tell us the difference between Santa and and Jesus. Right. And her answer was amazing. Well, I'll never forget it because it said it so simply. She said, "Well, grandfather," she said, "Santa Claus is real imaginary, and Jesus is real real." And she meant it. I mean, she got a little tear in her eye when she said Jesus. And I think that that's a powerful thing. And I think we can make that distinction. And wouldn't you agree, Linda, that the main way we've tried to make it and advise others to make it is just what you said a few minutes ago. Separate the two. Don't let them overlap so much. Maybe have Christmas Eve be the time when it's all about Jesus, and you're doing the nativity. All about giving. And giving. Yes. All the focus is on the child who's giving, not on the one who's receiving. How did you think of this wonderful thing? How did you make that for so-and-so? All the focus on giving and on Jesus. And talking about this is real, this really happened. These things we're talking about tonight, or maybe you're having your, we always do what we call a Nazareth supper, where we're enacting Mary's family sitting around the table eating figs and dates and and fish and what they could have eaten in those days, drinking grape juice and imagining that we're Mary's family and that she's about to set off tomorrow, the next day with Joseph. And will she be okay? And just let it spontaneously evolve with candlelight and no electricity and and then making it as real as possible in the nativity. And then telling the kids, this is real. Now, tomorrow, we're just going to have fun. We're just going to, not that this isn't fun, but we're going to have a different kind of fun. 
and Santa's going to come and we're going to have a lot of fun with our imaginations and create that separation. And then I don't think your kids, and you can have wonderful traditions around both, right? Right. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm always thinking about what they're thinking when you're, when they're hearing this and like, wait a minute, I have to, I go to my parents' house every Christmas Eve. I have no, no control over the program. I'm not going to run in and say, I think this is what we should do. Well, you, oh, maybe some of you would want, want to do that. But if you can't do it with your own family, don't, don't worry about having the whole family involved. Do it when you can with your, your family in a private way. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of variables in Christmas and, and traditions and the way things go. Um, we decided to let go on our kids a long time ago on Christmas Eve because they really just wanted to be with their own families. And they, I mean, for a while when our kids were little, they loved doing the nativity here with their little children. I mean, when they were young parents. When they lived with us. When they lived with us, but I mean, when they were young parents and came back first. Sure, But now it's just too hard to move all the stuff and have everybody be together. So we visit them on Christmas uh, Christmas Day to see what they got, and uh, we're with one of the families on Christmas Eve. You have to adjust that to what works for you and your family yeah, and your in-laws. Uh, yeah. If you can't do the separation I'm advocating of Christmas Eve and Christmas, then you can just be really candid. I think sometimes as parents, we're just not as open and honest with kids, and you can just, in a right, in the quiet time and the right place, just explain to them the difference between Santa is real. He's real in our imagination. He's something we love to to do and have fun with. But Jesus is real, real, like little Eliza said that day. But Linda, let's end. Now, wait, before you leave that, even that is really scary. They have to handle Santa their own way because Uh, these kids need to have that wonderful imagination in their mind that there is a real Santa. That was one of my delights of childhood. And I would not want to be told that he was real imaginary because he was real, real in my mind. (laughs) Anyway, do do it how it works for you. Let's end, Linda, with just a few more family traditions. We wish we could talk back and forth and you could share yours and we could share ours. But I mentioned this Nazareth supper that we love so much. And we always take the Christmas stockings in the middle of the night and put them on the bedpost of the kids' bed. So when they wake up, they see the stockings and they don't barge upstairs. That was because it's a British tradition. And yeah. we did that the whole three years we were in England. And talk about singing on the stairs. Yeah. And we sing on the stairs. You know, we've got a whole month to talk about these. Yeah. But it is so fun to think. Just think through your family traditions. There's so many that have kind of come and gone, probably, if you're the same as we are. But think about what you want your children to carry on to their families to make it intriguing and fun and interesting and loving and so deep that they really love it and want to carry it on. Well, and I apologize as we close for my voice. I've just about lost it, but I knew Linda would carry the day as she always does. And I want you to know we appreciate all of you enough that we we thought, should we just not do it this week? And then we thought, I'll just do it, you know, even though I don't have a voice. We love you all. We, we send you Thanksgiving greetings and 
We're thankful for you. We are, and to James. Shout out to you and to all of your families for this Christmas season. And we'll see you next time on Irish on the Road. Bye-bye.